Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Talk Recorded live. Hello and welcome. This is Denise Michaels. I'm here with Ray Yerushka who is the Grand Chief and Kuba of um, Pull the Trigger Enterprises and Vertex Capital Group. And um happy to have you here on Jul- Friday, July 31st. Hi, Ray. Hi, Denise. Happy Friday. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. So um, you too. Um, so uh, I just sent you a text a few minutes ago. It says, today our topic will be no money down. Yes, I got that. And, uh, I thought, well, that's interesting because I heard, you know, after the Great Recession, the no money down deals have become um, not the norm the way they once were. And and they're not. But it's still being creative in how you do that, and there is a way of doing that. And if you look at a lot of investors out there, even on this scale, they're still uh, tying parties together, leveraging people, other people's money. Um, it's just you have to be more accurate today and more ensured it's going to work. Okay. Okay. Well, let's let's talk about it because um, no money down is always a great stra- strategy, and so I'm sure it still is in those instances where it's you know appropriate, suitable um, for investors. So. What would you say are the, the big rocks, the big things you want your readers to know about no money down deals? Well, I think in, on every uh, discipline, there is always an opportunity to have no money down. And the question is, the question is, how do I take advantage of that and um, and leverage it? I would I would venture to guess after all this time we've spent together over the last couple of months on Friday morning that no money down and bank financing don't go together. Uh, they do not. <laughs> okay. uh-huh. Banks banks want to see seven twenty credit score and for the best rate twenty uh, percent down. That's what they want to right. see. Right. Right. So what? Um, how how would a, a fairly new investor, you know, get a sense, you know what, this might be good for a no money down deal? What what are they looking for? What are the signals? Oh, I, I think the the one of the first things to look at is that most investors don't have any money when they first start out. Right. And that's really the mental the mental part of it what keeps them out of it. Because they believe they gotta be sitting on a pile of money or pay cash. And I do agree with that, but the circumstances with the seller, who you're wholesaling to, who you're trying to satisfy, will determine or dictate if I don't have to put any money into it. A good example, let's say that I have a, uh, I come across a property, either it's vacant or the owner's got a percentage owner, and the circumstances say they don't need all the money out of it to get going. So what I may do is approach them and say, look, I have an opportunity here to bring a buyer to your to your attention. And with that in mind, um, I'm going to bring them in. I'm going to, you know, I want to contract in your house for a certain price point. I need 10 days to bring that buyer in. If you're agreeable, then we move forward. Now the buyer, the seller might say, well, what are you putting down on here? I said, well, let me work out the details first. Let me bring the buyer in, and then I'll show you what I can do. So what what are you doing there? You're setting up a stage where I'm not putting any money down on it. I know a person that has the money to put down on it. So I might go to them and say, look, we need $10,000 to put down this house on my contract from me to you. From me to the seller, I'll say I got 5000 to put down. Because you cover some moving expenses. It gets you going, and it's what the payment's going to be. 
for me as an investor or the person putting that together, I didn't put any money into this. And I walk away with $5,000 in my pocket. Right. So the deal is, is lining up um, an investor to come up with a down payment. An investor or even a homeowner. Or just someone wants to live in it. Right. Well, I mean, it kind of goes back to um, what you've said in the past. You'll always run out of money before you run out of deals. And, right. you know, you're always looking for sources of funding. It's a constant source. And, but to get going, now, again, on that $5,000, if I've never made 5000 in one transaction or one month, that's, that's a pretty good find. Now I have to remember how I put that recipe together and repeat it. And what would they say, wash, wrench, repeat? You keep on doing that yeah. over again. And you don't need a lot of transactions in that fashion. Now you become more keen in who that profile of the seller is and the profile of the buyer. Mm-hmm. In, in, in your experience, what would you say is the profile of the seller who, um, you know, like what are, they, what are they looking for? Well, sometimes uh, there's two, two people I look at. One, uh, looking for an older couple getting ready to retire and get ready to move. And they don't need all the equity. They don't need all the money. The other type of buyer I actually look for actually is an investor that rehab the product and he's had the market for 10, 12, 14 months. It's not so much that they're desperate, but they got to start getting that thing cash flowing. And they don't need a lot of money. Right. If I could bring somebody to them, you know, tied up in their commitment, say, give me five days. That's all I need. If I can't do it in five days, we walk away part and we keep on moving. But if I get it done in five days, you win, I win. And that seller is the same way. Say, look, you get ready to move. You know, I, you, know you ask more questions like, how soon do you want to be down there? Uh, when do you got to be down there? Did you buy another place? Are you renting a place? And when do you got to take possession? If they tell me six months, no sense of urgency. If they tell me 30 days, they got to move. Right. And, you know, for me, when they tell me that, then what I do, I give them their price. I don't, I don't dicker with the price. I give them what they're looking for. And that way it takes that equation out of it. Now mm-hmm. it's just a matter of me putting somebody else in there, put some money in their pocket. They're not paying a commission. So this is, I, I'm sorry, finish your thought. I apologize. No, it's okay. So this would be a bit of a history lesson, but what happened, you know, the Great Recession again, um, that no money down deals went from pretty popular and acceptable to banks to pretty unacceptable to banks. Well, what happened was that they were um, at the height of the marketplace. They were funding 120 percent, 100 to 125% of the value of the property, and still no money down. Wow, so people would walk away with, you know, that cash at the closing table? Oh, you know, they they walked away with cash or the property was valued at, say, a dollar. They would fund a $1.25, a $1.50, and they may not walk away with anything. And maybe the people who put the deal together walked away with most of the money. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at how everything got upside down, so if you keep on doing that, you know, and the expectation was, and I can't understand why the people in the business didn't know that everything comes to an end. But if you're hoping that if you fund 125%, that next year, six months from now, a year from now, two years from now, it's going to be worth 50% over that. That's what the game they're playing. That was the hope. That's what they're telling the borrower. Don't worry about it. That property's going to be worth more a year from now than it is today. Right. Well, this has been happening. So they sold them a bill of goods. Right. Did you see it and coming, that, Ray? Did you? I mean. Well, the prices were escalated too fast, way too fast. Uh, you know, people were buying properties one month, and I know Nevada was like that. I mean, Arizona, Florida, 
almost around the country. You buy it today for three bucks, and you're selling three months from now for twenty. Right. And that wasn't sustainable. And the government knew what they're doing, so the letters. I know we've had boom markets before, but I don't think I, th- I don't think we ever saw anything where the prices were going up that fast. Well, yes, supply and demand. The government created programs to everybody. Everybody owns a home. That was the program. So they created with the financial industry to fund it with low rates, no money down, IT numbers. It didn't matter if you had a pulse, you could you know, smoke a mirror or fog a mirror, as I say, you, you were going to get funded because the government at that point in time wanted everybody to own a home. Well, it's a grand plan, but if the jobs don't hold pace with the buying, then you're in trouble. And most of the folks, especially in, I'm going to say, Spanish-speaking communities or uh, foreigner communities, or they call it alien let's, communities, let's they're going to pay cash. Minority communities? Yeah. They what? They were, getting, they were getting paid cash. They didn't have W-2s. They didn't have a Social Security number. And they're getting funded anyways. Right. And then the government has everybody believing that was their fault. Well, no, it wasn't their fault. It was a system between the largest institutions, largest title companies, law firms, mortgage brokers, uh, anybody that had a license created this uh, environment. So they got burned. So they're not going to do it again. And they shouldn't do it again. But as an investor, if you're starting out, you're looking for an opportunity to make some money, not a lot, incremental, by putting nothing into it. And you negotiate price, and whether you assign it, whether you get it funded properly, and the uh, opposite of that, and you have your exit strategy plan properly, you'll be able to do that over and over again. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's really kind of a flip, you know, yeah. right? It's, it's kind of like, um, in a way, it's kind of like wholesaling, except you're getting the money down. You know, it's not a cash yeah. deal necessarily, right? I mean, it's just the way yeah. it's funded that's kind of different from wholesaling. You know, you're assigning it from what, from a seller to a buyer with you in the middle pretty quickly. It's just the way that it's funded is different. Well, I did a deal like that here in Aurora. Uh, had a couple losing their home, and we went to lost uh, loan modification and some other avenues, and uh, just couldn't save it. So you know, I told them, I said, "Look, we got you know, I I can't do anything more here. I could buy the property, but I can't get the price I wanted." So we're parting away, and then they called me up and said, "Look, we just uh, <clears throat> inherited about thirty thousand dollars." I said, "Okay." I said, "What do you want to do?" So we want to buy a home. I said, well, you don't have any credit. They go, no. I said, um, we're probably going to utilize about half the money. They go, okay. I said, keep the other half reserves. And we found a house uh, about 30 miles from here. And um, I knew the people that had the house under contract. So I went to them. I said, look, I can put 10000 down. So we structured the payment. Got them to put sixteen thousand down. Six thousand was my fee. Ten thousand went to the person that had a house on a contract. Wrote a new land contract for them and structured the payment. It was a home that was uh, newer, had a couple acres of land. Um, you know, said so they benefited. And so you were at the bank. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, or and then, just like with wholesaling, we're calling it a consulting fee, you know, rather than a commission or finder's Correct. fee or anything like that. Okay. Correct. Okay. Good. Correct. Good. Well, that makes sense. I mean, it's like you've got someone who's willing to put something down, you know, and you know, you're taking a percentage of what they're, 
you know what they're willing to put up for it as your as your fee, and the rest is a down payment. Yes. Right. Okay. Okay, that's a different kind of uh, nothing down deal from what it was in the past. Um, so readers understand, and I won't, you know, belabor the point in the chapter. If you could explain a little bit about how nothing down used to look, so we could kind of compare the difference. Yeah, nothing down uh, is basically tying up a piece of property and then turning it over to someone else. And a lot of that's done with assignments. That's nothing down. You got a piece of property that's uh, either uh, distressed or preferably not distressed, because if it's if it's distressed, there's other legalities you have to follow through to make sure that how clean it is. But if it's older, on these work, uh, you can contract and put zero down into the property, and then take it and move it to somebody else. You can wholesale it. That's that's the zero down. Right. The zero down to own it is a whole different. Um, path, I think at some point in time, you should put 100 bucks down, just put the $100 down. Which is pretty down, close to nothing down. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Again, you know, you know, for me, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say that the path that I've always followed was either I put zero into it or I put 100 bucks into it. But when I went to sell it, I always asked for 5000 8000 10000 down. Sure, sure. Yeah, move, move the move the tape a little bit. Yeah. Well, um, back in the day, um, Robert Allen said, "Send me to any city. Take away my wallet. Give me one hundred dollars cash, and within seventy-two hours, I'll buy an excellent piece of real estate." Yes. A long time ago, right? You know, so anyway, I guess he used to run these ads, you know, for workshops and stuff like this. And then um, someone from the San Francisco Chronicle called him on it and said, are you willing to do that here in San Francisco? And we'll have our reporter shadow you for the entire 72 hours, three days, you know. And he said, yeah, okay. So he went there, and within that 72 hours, he bought six properties, you know, not one, but six, right? Wow. Yeah. And, of course, what he did is, I mean, he spent like a month beforehand just absolutely scouring. This was, this was you know, newspaper days, absolutely scouring the local newspapers and all the resources and, you know, everything that he could get his hands on, um, you know, so that he went in, you know, as, as well prepared as he possibly could. But uh, anyway, he did it, and then there was this huge, huge article that came out in the San Francisco Chronicle um, that said, yep, he did it, you know. It was like a full-page article with a couple of pictures and everything, and that's what skyrocketed him to, uh, you know. Validation. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. I think he mostly bought... Go ahead. I was going to say, he had a had a nailed down a criteria that said, I can do this with these properties. Right. Right. So I, th- I think he did, um, um, most of them were like condos, you know. Okay. So, you know, lower price deals and yeah. everything. So anyway, but, you know, would you want me to mention Robert Allen or not? Or? Well, absolutely, because, I mean, it's a great book. Right. I mean, nothing down. I mean, it, it speaks to what we're talking about in this chapter. And in reading that book, you know, I took my own take on it. And I think that's one thing I want the readers to walk away from is that the things that we're telling here, the things that we teach, are through my experiences. And that everyone has their own personality that will adapt to that particular me- that method and that discipline. That's the beauty of real estate. Make it better. Make it different. Make it unique to yourself and mm-hmm. to who you're working with. Mm-hmm. And that's what well, I think uh, separates us from everybody else uh, investing. Well, you know, he was, I mean, I haven't heard much, um, you know, what Robert Allen is doing these days. And, 
you know, every every once in a while people will ask me, do you keep up with Robert Allen? And, mm, not really. You know, I'm pretty busy. But uh, but at any rate, I mean, I heard him on the platform say that a million times so I can, I can repeat it like as if it was yesterday, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. Um, now, did you do a lot of those kind of nothing down deals back in those days? Well, when I first started out, I've never uh, sat on a large uh, bank account. So when I first started out, um, everything I did was create a nothing down. Everything I did. Because I knew you could. I was told. Robert Allen told me. Mm-hmm. And I went out and, and uh, did it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where I think investors get kind of caught up is that they read it and they don't believe it. Well, you don't believe something because you're afraid to try it. And if you go after it, then you just work it out. And that's where your own personality adapts and uh, comes through is because you're applying that method with the circumstances in front of you. Right. And it works. Right. So what you're saying really is that your attitude and mindset has a lot to do with whether this is going to work for you or not. It does. Um, you, and I don't know if I, this is right or not, but you cannot be afraid to fail. You cannot be afraid to fail. You've got to go out and do it and knowing you're going to fail. That's you it. That's your intent. It's just knowing. Yeah, you got to pull the trigger. Yep. So, and, you know, I think I said that in the wholesaling chapter, something about, you know, you can't live in fear, you know, and uh, I think that's, I think that's pretty important. And, you know, we've we've also talked about risk. You know, and you've said you have to have the mindset where you're willing to take on some risk, you know. Uh, you know uh, who Elon Musk is? Who, who's that? Elon Musk. That sounds familiar. Who's Elon Musk? He is the founder of PayPal and also the founder of Tesla. Ah, okay. Yeah, I well, I've been using... PayPal a lot, and I just finished a book for a guy that we're going through like the final throws of of proofreading on it, and um, you know there's a lot of mention of Nikola Tesla, not the Tesla you know motor yes. car company, yeah. but Nikola right. Tesla from back in the early 1900s. So yeah, right. I, yeah, that name does sound familiar. Well, there was an article recently in Business Insider that uh, actually came from his ex-wife because she was looking at some uh, blogs or some some uh, thread, and the, que- the, the question was, how do I become a billionaire? I want to be a billionaire. How do, how do I become one? So she chimed in, and kind of the summary of the story is she goes, you cannot want it. You cannot say, this is what I'm going to do. Um, she says you have to have two things. One, you can be willing to get in with the sharks, get bloodied up, get beaten up, and get left on a desert island somewhere and get figured out how to get home. So two, people in the world is not going to throw a billion dollars at you just because you're you. Right. You have, to, you have to have something compelling and unique to the world and to people that they're going to want to buy it. they got to buy it. they got to use it. It changes their lives. And she said, when you have that, those couple things, um, that will create the in, in the money that you're looking for. She goes, she says, with Elon, he had, he was an engineer, and he learned how to be a businessman. And once he tied those two together, the world took off for him. Because he created tools and how an environment with the electric car that the world needs. It changes the way we live. Right. So when you, when you think about those, so when somebody says, I want to be a millionaire in real estate, I want to be a thousandaire in real estate, what is, 
you're going to bring to the table that's different than everybody else. That's, that's after all, real estate. Real estate. That's, that's kind of that's kind of branding, right? Yeah, it's branding, it's customer service, it's trust, it's doing things out of the ordinary. And look at real estate as a product and not something you just buy and sell. And the person that buy it, look at them differently is that they're investing for the return on investment, long-term or short-term. And the seller is looking to pass this on to someone that's going to, they know they're going to gain from it or they'll have a pleasant experience, if, especially if it's like a homeowner or somebody owner-occupied and treat it as such. So I started thinking about what she wrote, and you start applying it to real estate, especially in the environment we're in today, it's customer service. Most sellers do not care if they sell that buyer again or not. It's churn and burn. Mm -hmm. Tagline on, on Vertex Capital is start with us, stay with us, grow with us. Oh, nice. And as I, I profess on a daily basis to an 8 o'clock morning call every day, is what makes us unique? How are we going to have that buyer-client experience that's different from anybody else out there? Who's getting on these calls with you? Is this people in oh, my, Polish my Trader or someone else? Uh, or? This, is, this is my team in Vertex. Oh, okay. I have... Um, so it's the people who are helping. You, you've kind of given me the names in the past. Um, going back to the branding a little bit, um, see how you feel about this. I define branding, like a lot of people look at it as just like your logo, your website, but I define it as everything about the experience of doing business with you. So that encompasses not only the logo and the look, but also the customer service, the feelings of trust, all those things that you mentioned. Yes. Right? Yes. So this is going to sound like a sideways journey, but there's a, a method to my madness here a little bit, right? What are your thoughts about the uh, the Trump candidacy right now? Well, I don't think he's going to win. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think he's got a voice out there because he, he doesn't care what people – think or interpret what he says, and he says it as plainly as possible and to the, to the point of offending people. And politicians can't talk that way. And we need to be talked to that way as people. You don't have to agree. That's the beautiful thing about society. You can always disagree. But also, but listen, and you know that the, that the truth is. And unfortunately for politicians, with the news media today, they want to, as an example, you got the Midwest. Midwest is the old Rust Belt. So when a politician comes here, they talk about jobs and unions and how, yeah, yeah, yeah. They go down south, southeast, they don't care about unions. Their jobs are different. Right. They speak out of that tongue, too. At least Donald Trump, I don't care where he goes to, he says the same thing. Mm -hmm. It is true. Well, now in the YouTube age, you know, you can't really get away with saying one thing to one audience and something that contradicts it to a different audience. You know, Not today. It, it gets pointed out really fast, you know. So anyway. I think, that, I think, I, I think that's why you gotta, you've got to be able to have your foundation of your principles and then be consistent. I do think he's really touching a chord with a certain um, – you know, element of the GOP party, but his brand is, you're right, it's definitely consistent, you know? Yeah. And, so. and that's what we have to be with pull the trigger, be consistent with our, our methods, be as current, be forward-thinking, be visionaries. And right. And that's the same way. You know, because what's good, again, I always I use the expression a lot, whatever's hot today is not going to be hot two years from now. You better be prepared. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And prepare your clients. Give them direction. Give them guidance. I think we have a responsibility if we're making money from them to be able to 
provide that service to them. And whether we're doing the service ourselves or we have relationships that do our third parties that provide to make sure they're the best in class and whatever that means. Mm-hmm. And then that's like my son's been telling me, he goes, you're disrupting a marketplace. But disruption is good. Yeah. It changes. It changes people's attitudes. We're going to get some flack for it. And that's what Elon Musk's ex-wife said. I can't remember her name right now. But she goes, people are not going to like what you're doing. People criticize you for what you're doing. But she said, the more criticism you have, that means you're on the right track. It's just part of well, it. Well, I know when PayPal first started, for example, you know, just because I'm a customer of that, you know, and have been for 14 years, I know a lot of people thought it was a joke. They thought it was dumb, you know. How would this replace ordinary credit card processing and everything? And, you know, they do millions and millions of dollars of transactions every day, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. anyway, it's pretty... Pretty amazing. Well, look at Microsoft. You know, Microsoft, um, Apple, I mean, EI DuPonts, um, Hershey's. You go back through history, every large organization, RJR and Nabisco, Nabisco, they all started from a foundation, took a lot of heat, did things differently, and then they became successful. But you look at the first five or ten years of their business, they weren't sure they were going to make it. Like, everybody's like, who's going to buy that? Who's going to buy a computer? You know, what, what do they want an apple for? What does that mean? Right. Or chocolates. What, why are you making a candy bar? Or why are you doing that? I and mean, it's like, I can just go to a chocolate area and pick up a piece of chocolate. But his model was to mass produce it. And he really became successful when he gave it to the Army during World War II. Right. It was free. You know, um, Mahatma Gandhi, there's a quote by him. He said something like, um, First they laugh at you, then they argue with you, then they fight you, then you win. Yeah. You know, which seems to be kind of like what, you know, what you're saying. So, anyway, kind of, well, kind of like, right, like, right, like right now, Denise, we have people out there saying they represent us or, or work for us, and they don't. Why would they say that? Work- because we have a good thing right now, and they know we have a good model. And we have people coming through other people that we work with, bringing their offers because we won't do business with them for a lot of different reasons. And they're trying to do business with us anyways. Because what we're doing makes sense. I think that to be a successful um, business owner, no matter what business you're in, but especially in real estate, you know, you have to be kind of a maverick, kind of a rugged individualist, kind of an out-in-front sort of person rather than a follower. And it goes back to what you've said to me week after week, which is go where everybody else isn't. Yes. You know, go where everybody else isn't. So right now, a lot of people aren't in nothing down. But it sounds like what you're saying is, you know, if you're really paying attention, there's still opportunities there, and it still can be a good place to start. When you're starting out, yes. If you have no money, but you have an idea and a dream, nothing down will make sense, and it can be done. But if you come to pull the trigger, make it do a little bit quicker. Education creates opportunity. You know, um, quite a while ago, I wrote a a chapter, you know, for your book on, you know, the importance of your business plan. And that's what you need, not only to create the blueprint for your business, but also to attract, you know, funding and investors in your business, which this is what you're talking about with the nothing down is, you know, find this person. Um, do you need a business plan for these kind of things, or you just need to find the right person or something, a small plan, or what What do you think? I think you need a plan on how to get an approach to real estate investing. 
um, people will kick an idea around for years before they act on it. What I'm suggesting is wake up with an idea, write it down, and then work it. I don't care if it's on a piece of paper and it's dated for today's date and you go, I'm going to do these three things today, but my objective is to get a house on zero down, and I give myself 45 days to do it. And I'm expected to make $5,000. So you got what you want, what you're pursuing, and what the objective is, and what the outcome is going to be. If that's all you did, and you followed through on it, that will turn into a success that will lead you to the next step. Okay. So this is kind of a, you know, Hail Mary play. You're getting started. You don't have the resources. So here's a strategy for you. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Plain and simple, I think you wake up and you do something. What are some tips that you could give the new investor? I mean, we already have the business plan chapter in terms of um, a plan for them to get started and they have little money. I mean, you know, A, I would say it's choosing the right strategy. B, I think it has to do with having the right mindset, you know, in believing, you know, this is possible and I can do it and, and you know, just kind of squash fear out of the way. But what am I missing? Um, I think uh, as, as, as uh, action. And I think what we could actually do uh, for the next chapter or towards the end chapter is develop through a chapter a 90-day plan of action. Here's where I start. Here's what I'm trying to accomplish. Here's where I want to go. Because everybody wakes up and goes, how do I get started? You know, do I start looking through for sale by owners online? Do I start looking through newspapers where there are a lot of the local communities have newspapers they put for sale by owner in there because they still want to sell their property. And all these other traditional methods, internet and videos and those type of things. But those are the people you call on. Or uh, pick out a neighborhood that meets your criteria of size, volume, opportunity. And every for sale by owner, every house for sale, you stop and introduce yourself. Get acclimated to your territory. So let's, let's say we've got this, you know, newbie real estate investor and they say, okay, I don't have much money to start with, so I'm going to look for these nothing down deals where, you know, I've got a seller and I'm going to find a buyer and we've got this 30 days and I'm going to take my consulting fee in the middle of the transaction there. What would you say are the top three activities or five activities they should be doing to uh, get them get them going. You know, you did say I mean, you're kind of prospecting, like looking in these small newspapers and you know stuff like this. But let's expand it out a little bit. Just the top few activities you think they should be doing. Well, what I always put as priority for myself is that if my phone's not ringing. I want to make my phone ring. How am I going to do that? I'm going to stop and every for sale by owner that I see. I'm going to network, so it's kind of go hand and parcel prospecting. And then I'm going to write this about four to five offers every single week. Whether they agree to it or not, I'm going to write the offer. Because that does two things. One, it gets you in front of people. Two, it gets me used to writing offers on a consistent basis. So it's not foreign to me, and I become better knowledgeable of the offer I'm making and the contracts I'm writing. So if I were to start out of the gate, and we did this. I did this on myself. I went down to county courthouses every Monday like clockwork looking for new foreclosures, bankruptcies, probate, because everything's online. Everything's at the courthouse. You follow the records. I did it every single Monday like clockwork, and I sent my letters out, and then I did follow-up, then I did door knocking. And now, fortunate for me, through my career, I've always been in sales and marketing. I speak Prospecting was not born to me. And I knew if I prospect well enough and deep enough and long enough, I will get my phone to ring. And that was always been my goal. 
and that's the, the challenge of uh, most um, investors is prospecting, something they don't like to do. Right. Right. Yeah, well, you know, prospecting is going out there and beating the bushes, so to speak, you know. So the top thing is to prospect. The second thing is to make offers. Uh, the third is to follow up on those offers, and for every five you make, you may get one interested. So if you got four interested parties a month, assuming the four weeks a month, that's going to be the key differentiator for you to be successful. And when I say a 90-day plan of action, if you did that for 90 days, so you got four months, in 90 days you have 16 opportunities, you should, you should be able to get two of them. This percentage law of averages. But at 90 days, and let's say your benchmark and your outcome was $5,000 per, that's $10,000 in 90 days, which is about $3,300 a month. And if you look at the time involvement to do that, your, your return on investment of your time is probably 200 or 300%. And that's real estate investing. Now you repeat it, you do it all over again. Now you up your numbers. Instead of making four off, five offers a week, you make 10. You double it. Always doubling down until you get comfortable and have the phone ringing off the hook. I think the last thing is to get yourself out there and network with all the real estate investment clubs, all the associations, online blogs, online chat rooms to offer your opinion on what you're finding, what you're seeing. And then, bottom line, become the expert. It may take a year to do that, but you have to have consistency. Make that work. Right. I um. I think this is you know I think it's a good plan for people who are you know starting from the ground up, right? You know it's yeah. like they need to have a lot of energy. You know they're going to do a fair amount of kind of running around. You know um, they're going to yeah. write a lot of offers before they get, you know, some that are accepted. But um, you know what? That's all right. It's a it's a place to start, and you know we can leverage two things in the world. We can leverage time, or we can leverage money. And this yep. plan is: if you don't have the money, here's a way, the best way to leverage your time. What was that old saying? That five hundred percent of action equals success. How's that? How's that go again? Five hundred percent of action equals success. Five hundred percent action. So that means five times as much as you think it's going to take. There's your success. Correct. Wow. Okay. That's I. That's that's a new one. I haven't heard that one before. So anyway, I think you seem to me to be a pretty straight shooter. You know, I mean, you seem to be pretty straight up about. You know, this works, you know, this works, but there's not as much of it as there used to be, you know. You seem to be straight, pretty straightforward. Yeah, and that's the way I, I deal my business dealings, too. I don't um, miss my words, number one. Two, I will tell you exactly how it is. And, uh, again, not miss my words. If, you know, if there's a hiccup, I tell you right away. I have a hiccup, I can't do it. And uh, my intent was to do this, but I got to do this now because of, you know, what, uh, whatever causes me to change my direction. And, you know, people will hang with you as long as you're straightforward. Right. I mean, just the fact that that couple called you back and said, hey, we just got an inheritance. What can we do? You know? Yeah. Um. I mean, that shows, you know, they, even when you reached the point where you said, I can't do anything to help you, they didn't forget about you. And when you make yourself memorable like that, you know, people will come back to you. 
you know? Yep. So I think, you know, we were talking earlier about, um, you know, this guy who said, I want to be a billionaire. And you said, it, it, uh, or at least uh, Elon Musk's ex-wife said, if you set out to be a billionaire, that's not the path. You know, but if you kind of find that something different, that find a need and fill it, you know, that's where you need to go. Um, I do think there's something to be said for being passionate about what you do, you know, and having yeah. a love for what you do. And yet, um, I think there's, I'm just going to use the word, Ray, excuse me in advance. I think there's bullshit in that idea of do what you love and the money will follow. You know, so it's kind of a balance in there. Well, that's what I uh, tell my uh, stepdaughters. That's what I told my children. I said, be passionate about something. If you're going to chase the money, uh, you'll always be chasing it. But if you're passionate about something, you become really, really good at it, and you become the expert, the money will follow in time. It doesn't happen overnight. It comes through experience. It comes through expectations. Meeting them for yourselves, meeting them for your clients, whoever, whatever you're doing. And real estate's the same way that you can't look at it just because you think you can make money at it. If you do that, you're in for the wrong reasons. Do it because you enjoy it. There's a reason why the Bill Gates of the world, the Steve Jobs of the world, this Elon Musk, they work around the clock. We are launching something. Right. Because they were passionate about it. It wasn't the idea about making money. For them, it was the idea of changing the world. Well, PayPal changed the world. I think the Tesla car will, too. Hey, they're building a factory out here for Tesla. Yeah. And uh, outside of Las Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. The batteries, exactly. He's got a dream. What's that? He's going to change. He's, He's got a dream. He's yeah, going to change aerospace. I and think. Has, uh, and I, tell me, if you, tell me if you think this is, you know, this is accurate because this is just kind of a um, observation of of you. But I think you really like helping people. But there's a million different things that you can do to help people, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's a million different things. I think the thing that really jazzes you is sort of. I'm going to use a Donald Trump book title, The Art of the Deal. You know, I think the creativity in putting together the deals and figuring out what you can do to create that win-win of money for you and a solution for somebody else, I think that's kind of the thing that drives you. Am I right or am I crazy? You're dead on. (laughs) It's the chase. It has nothing to do with the outcome. And the money is the byproduct of it. Right, right. But when you, I mean, when you you can't help someone out, like you've told me instances where it's like they're just too far in arrears on their mortgage, you know, when you were doing those things, getting people reinstated and being the bank and everything, um, and you're just unable to do it, or you see something that looks like a great house, but you know you 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 look down the road and you go, the numbers just don't work. I can't get there from there. Are are you disappointed, or you know like what's, or do you just say, you know, drop it like a rock and just go on, or you know how do you, where where do you sit with that? My my first uh, path is always to try everything that I know of. It's different. Mm-hmm. I would default back to traditional ways, but I try everything first. I know it's different to get it done in a short timeline. And if I exhaust all that and I go default on traditional methods, I exhaust them, and then I go, I tried everything I know. I don't know what else to do here. We have to part. I can't do this. And but I try everything I know. I mean, that's um, I get the the challenging clients, the challenging projects, the projects that people are looking at. I can't put this together. You know, it's called Ray, and somehow they find my name, and I listen to them. I said, well, maybe there's a possibility here. I try this. 
and I, I pursue it. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, I'll say, look, I tried it. It doesn't work. I think you need to move on. Right. Right. What's happening with um, uh, Vertex and your move to Florida and all of those things right now? Uh, Vertex, uh, right now we are uh, on a path to close a couple deals here, which we've been – I also got thrown back into the HOA in Florida. And um, Well, yeah, I mean, you're was, on the hook for all those – all those uh, yeah. that big bundle of properties. Yeah, so we are uh, you know, getting that wrapped up hopefully uh, next Wednesday. And uh, we had to raise – actually, it was less money uh, than we originally thought, so that's good. And that will take us uh, – you know, the, the biggest thing for us was having enough capital to move and not um, stress about getting established and get you know get our feet back on the ground in Florida, even though we're, we're down there right now. And uh, that's all coming along very good. We're are are you in? Am I calling you in Florida right now? No, no, not yet. You oh, you're in Chicago. That's right. We were talking so, about so the Chicago. wind. Yeah. Yeah. So we're still here. Um, my anticipation, uh, as I shared with my wife, that uh, we're trying to get down there by the middle of the month of August, and always have a contingency. Um, and that's the thing with real estate too. It's a plan A, plan B, plan C. So, you know, your best efforts are plan A. Your backup is B, and then uh, worst case scenario is C. But the mm-hmm. idea is still to get to that and go. And the same thing with moving. Uh, we have our ideas and our plans, and trying to get down there. Actually, before school starts, but then we're going to miss that, and um, so we got to still, you know, work on that. Right, right. Well, it's moving along, you know. I mean, that means you're going to be moving in about two weeks, you know. Yep. So anyway, well, are you going to be sort of um, um, homes in both in both? States, or are you going to sell where you live in Chicago, or what are you thinking? Yeah, we'll be in both homes for a while. Um, okay. You know, the, the other thing is too that uh, the this isn't the time of year to go to Florida. <laughs> it's a perfect time of year. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're heading the fall. <laughs> yeah, you started saying something about your stepdaughter. Yeah, we still have to uh, work with um, Karen's ex-husband on. The ability to leave the state. Uh, you're, we're working through that now because two younger girls um, are still under that. You know, the, they're still children. They're 12 and, 14, 12 and 13. Got it. But we'll work that out. It's all, it's all steps, all mechanics. I think yeah. it's a business opportunity. Well, you got a lot going down there. A lot going on down there. Yep. So you take one and, day at a time. Each one has its own processes. Right. And last week you said when you get down there, you want to kind of re-energize, um, pull the trigger down in Florida. Yes. yes. Yeah, I'm going to, because uh, the time I get down there, um, my estimation will be launched to books in Toronto November. And that will start, I'll start playing that, that more. And then I'll start doing some seminars and, the other thing I'm looking into is uh, doing internet radio. And yeah, I, I love the internet radio. Yeah. You know, I have a pretty good friend um, here in Las Vegas. I don't know if you want to, you know, stretch out to Las Vegas. I know you talked about it a little bit, but, you know. Yeah. Um, but at any rate, he owns, it's called Vegas All Net Radio. And it's internet radio, and what he does is he um, he has a radio show. You know, he owns the station, and he has a radio show. But what he does is he trains people on how to do a radio show, you know. And then if you want to, you know, do it with Vegas All Net Radio, which is internet-wide, so it goes everywhere, um, yeah. you know, he'll set you up with the show and the producers and, you know, all that stuff. Oh, nice. I need to talk to him because one of the things that, like, with uh, Pull the Trigger Enterprises and also Vertex, I want to start doing them. Um, um, I want that I could think of as a professional YouTube clip or video on 
like in Vertex area, bulk REOs, bulk NPNs, and then what the strategy is and the outcome and why you should be involved. And then I'll pull the trigger side is taking the disciplines, tie that in with the chapter, and then pull them both together. Right. And do like a 15-minute segment that this is what you should be doing. For more information, join us. Right. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. Well, I will um, I will send you his name and phone number with the next, um, you know, with the next chapter uh, you've okay. got coming to you so that you can, you know, it's probably not something you're going to want to do anything until you land in Florida, you know. But um, yep. anyway, and, and I'll let him know you may be calling in a few weeks or something. So, okay, I appreciate he, that. Yeah, he's he's very, very good. He's really good. You know, and I think you've got a good voice and you've got the the right personality. I'd be good for that. Well, so anyway, well, before we wrap up today, any um, closing thoughts on nothing down? We kind of ventured far afield, but I think that's okay. Yeah. I mean, I think it'll still be a good chapter. Well, I think with nothing down is that there's always a solution. And nothing down is a good step to start acquiring or controlling real estate. And it, it does work. I think it's a bottom line. It does work. It will always work. Just got to have the right variables of buyer, seller, need, and want. And some years will play more than others. And I think we will get into that probably in the next uh, two or three years or nothing down will come back again. Mm-hmm. A lot of good reasons. Right now, it's a little bit dormant. So yeah, it's uh, but you know, even big investors that have twenty, thirty, forty million dollars, that's not their money. They're leveraging it. Right. So in essence, they're putting nothing down. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good comparison. Yeah. So, so it it's works. the same thing as big money investors do is they're taking the money of their investors, not you know, not their right. own. Yeah. Right. Very smart. Very smart. All righty. Well, say hi to Karen for me. I will. Okay. And have a great week. And I'll talk to you next week, same time, same station. Are you going to be available? Because I know you're going out of town. Um, no, we're not leaving for another week. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to do, you know my call with you and I'll probably have one other call with a client and, you know, be packed like the night before and then we head out of town. You know, we, we try to, if we're going to leave on a Friday or a Saturday, we try to get out of town by like noon, like no later than noon because then the traffic heading to L.A. starts getting heavier and heavier. So, okay, yeah, that, four, that four-hour drive can turn into a six-hour drive if, <laughs> if you don't time it right, you know. Yes, it so, will. Sometimes by 15 yeah. minutes, too. Yeah. And, you know, in the desert, it's, you know, it's not much fun. So, anyway. <laughs> I got it. All righty. Well, have a great weekend. Chapters will be coming your way. And I hope you like the little Thanks, Donald too. Trump thing. I'm starting with the uh, chapter on asset protection. So, anyway. Yeah, that would be good. I think we've got to sprinkle them in. Also, Robert Allen. I think that yeah. they both are in their own rights and the timing they came out with it. They were, I think, ahead of their time in terms of how they were thinking. You know, sure. Versus the uh, Alan Sheets and some of these other guys who were out there at the time. Right, right. Well, um, uh, Bob wasn't the first, but I think he took it the biggest. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So, Between us center anyway. stage. Yeah, exactly. So. Anyway, in fact, um, he used to, this is just a little aside, but he used to, back when he was first in seminars, you know, you have to know how to close from the platform, right? And that's like a a very specific skill to close from the platform. It's very different than closing one-on-one because people can stand up and walk out of the room any second or they, they start being resentful. It's like, wait a minute, I was supposed to get information on this and now he's trying to sell me something, you know. Like, <laughs> yep. like you know, you, you know, you've done this before. But at any rate, he was so, you know, in his early years, 
he was so bad at closing from the platform, he would introduce another person halfway into his seminars and bring them up a few times. And then when it finally got to the close, he would turn it over to them. It was like he couldn't do it from the platform. You know, now by the time I started working for him, he was so good at it, you know, that he wouldn't have anybody else on the on the platform. But, you know, it's something that um, comes with time. So, anyway. Yep, got to grow into it. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, enjoy the rest of your day, and I'll talk to you in a week. Okay, thank you, Denise. You too. Okay, thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.